Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. We're going to do some updates as we usually do before we get to our wonderful guest. I'm excited for today's show with Taylor Ray Almonte. Um, but Erica, is there anything that you wanted to touch on or that you've been enjoying this week? Yes. Um, what am I enjoying this week? A lot of TV. I've been really like sleepy this week and, um, we're recording this, this episode will come out, um, the first Wednesday in November, but it's right before Halloween when we're recording this it's Halloween weekend. Um, and I'm just into like cozy inside TV, all that good stuff, but I've been binging you on Netflix, which I really it's so good. It's so good. And I don't even know how to talk about it because I don't want to do any spoils, but, um, I'm about halfway through and I think this, this is my favorite of the, I think it's on season three. It's my favorite. So if you're binging you as well and need to talk about it, you can DM us because Allie isn't watching it and I need someone (laughs) to talk to about it. So watching you caught up on the morning show, which I know we talked about last week. That's so good. So just lots of TV and, you know, cozy nights in and then, um, wellnessy things. I'm really enjoying, um, one of our sponsors, Ned just came out with their de-stress blend and I know you tried it too. And I love it. I take CBD as all of our listeners know for my anxiety and sometimes for headaches, but the de-stress blend is so good at combating anxiety, but it also is so tasty, like with the cinnamon and cardamom. cardamom. It's very fall-like. It is. And, um, and they have ashwagandha in it. And I'm just noticing a really big difference in my anxiety. So I've been taking that pretty consistently, um, the last couple of weeks and I'm really enjoying it. And, um, milk and honey are other, actually I'm like, Ooh, it's all of our sponsors that I'm enjoying this week. Milk and honey, um, opened a spa in LA and I know they're opening a second location soon. And I'm finally making an appointment to go. And I'm very excited for my first post pandemic spa treatment. Um, yeah. So enjoying our sponsors a lot this week. Uh, yeah. And as always, if anyone wants to save 15% on Ned, 
or milk and honey online, you can save 15% by using both codes are CW podcast. So yeah. So yeah. TV and Ned and milk and honey are they things like it. I am enjoying. And yeah. And as always, if you're not in LA and don't have a spa, milk and honey is just hyper clean, amazing bath body skincare products. And their deodorant is my personal favorite aluminum free deodorant. I've used it forever. So, and fun yeah. fact, they're female founded and female funded. So um, yes. yeah, a small business based out of Texas. What about you, Allie? What are you enjoying this week? How what has your I week enjoying? been? Um, so I actually, even though it's not seasonally <laughs> aligned, although we're in LA, so, you know, it's always, it's always hot and sunny here on some, on some level. Um, I started doing smoothies again in my life. Uh, in the mornings and I'm really enjoying them. Um, yeah, I was just getting kind of like bored with my breakfast routine and every day being like, what do I feel like? So I just decided to do some smoothies and, um, give myself a little variety in that. Um, I'm trying a new protein powder, which is from a nutritionist, Kelly Levesque, who, I actually really like the protein powder. I've only tried the chocolate one, but it only has three ingredients. It's um, from grass-fed beef isolate uh, protein and like cacao and monk fruit is basically what she uses. And it's it's quite tasty. Um, and it has a really high protein content too. So it's like 24 grams per scoop. So um, really enjoying that. And I also throw in some Saqqara uh, metabolism powder, which is like a really dark, dark cacao, almost bitter in flavor, but, um, yummy as an add on. And it has a lot of really good, uh, ingredients like, um, kelp. I think there's like a, a certain type of seaweed, um, sea plant kelp in, in it and good kind of gut friendly ingredients. I believe it's like L-glutamine and uh, different amino acids that, um, support, the gut as well. So I'm kind of on a smoothie kick and, um, I'm excited. What'd you say? say that must make it extra chocolatey. Yes. It's very chocolatey. Um, if you want a little chocolate fix, I guess we're like in the chocolate zone. It's like you said, it's Halloween weekend. So I will, uh, look at my chocolate where I can get it from. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. I was thinking about this episode with Taylor. I'm really excited to get into it, uh, because I think she really incorporates movement. Um, in a way that can help us in other areas of our life, right? It's not always just about the physical benefits of movement, but what we can do to push ourselves to grow and expand um, mentally a lot of the time and emotionally as well through the body. So I think, um, I just think it's a cool conversation that we have. And so I've been, I've been thinking about my own movement too. I've definitely been prioritizing um, going to some hot yoga classes, which I'm really enjoying especially as the air starts to get a little bit cooler, even here. And, um, yeah, just been still doing the walking thing. I know that we talked about on our last episode, last few episodes that we did a walking challenge for the month of, um, September. And I've kind of stuck with it through October, maybe not every single day, but trying to get those steps in. Cause I just, I realized how good I felt after doing it for a full month. Yeah. I love that. I, uh, I'm joining you on the walking and I'm going to join you on the smoothies next week. So I'm excited. I I also am kind of in a breakfast rut, so I'm back on the smoothies, even though I did, I shared it a couple episodes ago in our intro, but I found my favorite smoothie 
combo. And, um, yeah, it's really good. I'll share it again in case. Cause I hate when people do that They're They don't like finish what it is, but <laughs> it's, um, if anyone didn't listen, or if you did, I'll share it again. Cause it's truly the best. It's, uh, vanilla protein. Um, I use the primal kitchen, which I really like, um, vanilla protein. I also use the metabolism super powder, um, cashew butter, kale, Ooh. um, chia seeds and, um, Oh, dark cherries. That's the secret sauce and the dark frozen cherries. And it's also frozen kale or frozen spinach, um, which you can't taste at all because, um, I don't love, I know I, I should, but you know, it's like, it's getting in the greens without tasting the greens. Um, but the dark cherries bring out the dark chocolate flavor of the metabolism mm-hmm. super powder so much. This lit, this combo tastes like a chocolate milkshake. So I can't, I can't, can't, can't recommend it enough. And if you don't have the metabolism super powder, you can use just like cacao, um, from your local grocery store. Um, but the cacao and cherries and the cacao with the metabolism super powder is amazing. And if anyone wants to try that, we do have a code to save 20% off your first order, which is exo courageous. And you can find all those links in our show notes, but, um, yeah, I'm going to join you, Ali. I'm going to try to do smoothies next week for breakfast and come up with different combinations. Cause even though that is like, it is a chocolate shake, it could be breakfast or dessert. Um, I'm in a breakfast rut. And so I want to, I want to get creative with my smoothies too, cause it's easy to get in a lot of nutrients that way. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's an easy, it's an easy way to do it. So, um, should, Should we, we get, get into the episode? The episode? Yes. yes. Perfect timing. We're so excited for this one. And we really love Taylor and we're so grateful to have been able to connect with her and yeah, she's just the best. So let's get into it. Okay. So today on the podcast, we have a wonderful conversation with Taylor Ray Almonte. Taylor is a Brooklyn based Afro Latina actor, athlete, and activist. Her work meets at the intersection of racial justice and wellness, and she utilizes her unique skill set to educate, empower, and amplify marginalized voices in all aspects of her life. Taylor is also a Reebok athlete, the co-founder of Activism, an anti-racism wellness company with co-founder Kira West. She's the diversity and inclusion lead at Rumble Boxing, in addition to being a boxing trainer, the director of community diversity and inclusion at A-Team, and she is the author of a weekly anti-racism newsletter. Today, she shares with us about her journey as a performing artist, expanding her life and work to match the many facets of herself and her gifts, and how she uses fitness as a modality to explore and help others pursuing anti-racism work within themselves. We had so much fun talking with Taylor, and we hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust, is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. How's that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? 
We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with my anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. But today we want to talk about Ned's brand new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. We recently got our hands on a sample and could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you want to try the new De-Stress Blend from Ned, a brand that we love and trust, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Every order over $40 qualifies for 15% off plus a free de-stress blend sample. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash CW podcast or enter CW podcast at checkout to take advantage of this offer. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off plus a free de-stress blend sample on any order over $40. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring our program and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. This episode is brought to you by our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring our listeners and clients an all-access, accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual webinars, recipes, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become a patron, visit www.patreon.com slash courageous wellness, or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community. So welcome, Taylor. We are so excited to have you on the podcast and excited to jump into this conversation. But before we begin, we always start with our guest's personal journey. So can you share with us your personal journey to the work that you currently do? What is your wellness journey? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And um, I'm, I'm always really excited to share because I think I 
did not grow up having any interest in fitness, wellness, never played a sport in my life. I did join track team in seventh grade because I was really interested in the uniforms, which I definitely called costumes and um, really interested in just like having a cute gym bag. And I did that for like a hot second. And then I was like, absolutely not. So I really had no um, background in anything related to fitness until I was an adult. So I grew up acting. Um, I went to school for theater. I went to NYU Tisch. And then upon graduating, I booked the Broadway national tour of Motown. And it was when I was doing that, that I really found fitness and wellness, because when you're traveling so much and you're in a different hotel every single day, you're in maybe even a different city every single day. Um, it becomes really hard to find consistency or, um, just like something to make you feel grounded. And for me, that really just became going to the hotel gym and doing something. And I wasn't following really any like fitness influencers and I didn't really know where to start. So I would just like, I don't even know what I was doing in that gym, to be honest, but it made me feel good. And it made me feel just kind of a little bit more grounded every day. So when I returned from tour, I knew I didn't want to travel anymore. I wanted to like really stay put. And what actors call the work that they do when they're not acting is like a survival job. So you're like, what's my survival job between booking a show, booking a commercial, booking a gig. And I didn't really want to find a survival job. I wanted to find a second career that could make me just as happy. And I think it's really tough because we grow up thinking like you train for something, you go to school, you pick one thing, you do that one thing, then you are happy. When life is so much more amazingly complex than that, you could have like 10 different careers and all of them make you happy and all of them are fulfilling and all of them have different pieces. And that's what I was really looking for. I didn't fully know it or know how to articulate it at the time, but thankfully I fell into um, doing front desk at a bar studio. And pretty soon they were like, you look great in class. Why don't you audition? And it was never something I had considered for myself. Um, but I auditioned there and then was like, Hey, if these people would hire me, like, let me just audition everywhere. So I auditioned at tons of different gyms and studios just to like get a gauge of what even is out there. I was not big into taking classes. I'd like taken a spin class, like taken a couple Zumba classes in high school. Like I didn't really even know all of the awesome things that were, that were available. So eventually decided to become a spin instructor because the musicality and it just felt not too far from like dance or like the performing that I grew up doing, um, became a spin instructor through a mutual friend, started going to rumble classes and very quickly knew that I loved the energy and the, the vibe of the studio. So I started training, uh, with a boxing coach, like four days a week, became super interested in boxing. And I feel like that was really the pivotal moment for me because, Boxing was not something I could have ever stumbled upon myself. Like, I think it's so wild that like, I just started sparring a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, have developed such a dedication and like ritual and passion around boxing. Um, so became a boxing instructor. And then of course, over the pandemic, everyone started doing a million other things. And it was really during that time that 
I started doing a lot more than just the limitations of like what you can do in a studio. So whether that was like virtual classes or like more small groups or just like getting out of my comfort zone. Um, So I also started doing apps, like being, I'm on the Equinox Plus app, I'm on Rumble TV. I do um, the in-studio classes now. And then during the pandemic, I also signed with Reebok. So I became a Reebok athlete, which was super exciting because it's so much more than just like, pictures of me boxing. It's like become this other whole thing. And the most exciting thing for me was starting, um, a company called activism with one of my best friends, Kira West. And, um, we call it an anti-racism wellness company. We meet at the intersection of wellness and racial justice. And, um, I started a weekly anti-racism newsletter during the pandemic, it's over a year old at this point where every week I I tackle a different topic of racial justice education. And I was already doing that. And then I started incorporating conversations into my IG live classes because I was just so moved to speak and like couldn't imagine not. And Kira was kind of doing a similar thing on her platform. So through that, we've done like corporate trainings, everything from hour long to month long intensives with groups up to 150 people. We just did our first in-person workshop um, two weeks ago, actually. And yeah, so it's been really awesome to just get to fuse that even more. And uh, during this time, I also became a head of diversity and inclusion for Rumble Nationwide, which was a role I created at the company. And yeah, just have really been able to bring that anti-racism education work into my fitness work. And I guess that, yeah, that's kind of, that's my summary. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And um, yeah, there's so much we want to get into with you. It's so interesting to start kind of a little bit back and what you shared your background as an artist, a performing artist. Um, I knew you were an actor, but I didn't know that specific, your like theater background too. And it's so interesting. I actually have a similar story, but what I loved that you honed in on is that instead of, you know, in between jobs as performers, I have a musical theater background and also toured a a bunch and lived overseas for contracts and stuff like that. And, and getting to that point where you're like, I don't just want a survival job in between work. I want to create another career in addition that I love. And I, that's how in a lot of ways, courageous wellness was born with Erica three and a half years ago. Now it's been, I, you know, and, but hearing your story, it was just, it's, it's exciting to hear other, um, artists, actors, whatever that, whatever your medium might be share that it's not that we don't have to just kind of fall into that, um, that idea that if you're not doing like a job, you really love that you're doing a job you don't love yeah, and that you're creating like value as you go. And that we are complex people, all of us artists are not complex people with a lot of passions and a lot of things to offer. And For sure. maybe at different times that manifests differently in our lives. And you just never know what's going to happen. Like, look at all the work that you're doing now that might not have traditionally fit into like, I'm a performing artist kind of thing, but like how expansive it can, it can be. So I just, I'm glad you shared that part of your story. Cause I related to it. And I know we have listeners that also are in the arts, um, and also are interested in 
other things too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome too, that you have like such like a similar background. Cause I think, um, especially growing up as a performer, it seems soul crushing that you're like, Oh, I don't just graduate college and I'm not like famous on Broadway. Like, what is this? This is not what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent a lot of years being like very devastated by what I felt was a failure of mm-hmm. not being just like, consistently on Broadway and didn't realize that like, it's okay. If my life doesn't look like that, there's a lot of other things that could fulfill me. So absolutely yeah. relate to that. How did you work through that? Cause I feel like that is such a common feeling. And especially this year, like, wow, you had like a you did so much during the pandemic too. Like, I'm just like, wow. But this, um, I feel like that feeling is so common in general. And I think especially now where people have felt like they've lost a year, they've lost two years. Um, yeah. Just how did you work through that feeling to get to where you are doing so much? For sure. I think that, um, I can I feel like I can pinpoint the moment where Mm -hmm. I was like, I actually need to really shift my perspective. And I was sitting at this very table in my living room and I, I absolutely love my therapist. I've been in therapy for like five years, highly recommend everyone that mental health journey. It's what you need. And so I was talking to my therapist and I was saying, I was going through all of my titles I'm a Reebok athlete. I'm a trainer. I'm a women's health frequent contributor. I'm, I just got engaged. Like I'm a fiance. I'm well, all of these titles that I have. And I was like, why am I still not happy? Because I should be happy at this point because I have reached all of these milestones in my life. And what I really realized was like, my value can't come from the outside. And I think especially as a performer, like that external validation, that is the validation. Like, how am I good if I'm not moving the audience? How am I good if I'm not making people cry in the front row? How am I good if I'm not changing lives by with my performances? And my whether it was like acting teachers as a little kid or like professors in college, you you're just seeking that validation mm-hmm. to be seen as good. And so I realized that all of these things around me, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that external approval. And it was very hard on my partner on Richard because every single milestone, I was like, where's my party? Like, where's my bottle of champagne? Like, where's the party? Because I need to know that like, you think I'm doing a good job. So I realized like, where else could my value come from? Mm -hmm. That's not out there. Like, how do I get it from in here? Like I'm a good person and I'm worthy of good things. Like I'm kind, I'm smart. And like, what if I told myself that? What if I didn't need someone else to tell me that? And I think it happened like so slowly. And then all at once that now I'll be like casually like, oh yeah, I did this thing. And my family's like, you didn't even tell us, like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, I was just like celebrating in my mind, like to myself, (laughs) I feel so much less of a need to talk about it and get it from other people. And I think I wish I had been able to find that piece when I was like auditioning 10 times a week, pre-pandemic and like super traumatized by all of those auditions (laughs) all the time. But 
I feel now like so much stronger and so much more able to like, as I go back into auditioning and all of those things, like I just feel a resilience inside that my value can come from inside. And it's absolutely something I tell myself like every day, multiple times a day. I, I just keep trying to be like, I'm good all on my own. I'm the only one that needs, that needs to know it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. I think that's, you know, that concept or, or reaching that place inside in our lives, in our minds. Um, it's a hard thing when we're conditioned, whether you're in there, I do agree with you that I think in the arts, it's like kind of to an even more extreme, but I think a lot of people, regardless of their fields feel that way. Um, and I also, it was interesting when the pandemic hit, I can relate to this moment where I, I had this realization where it's like, I'm not, I don't have value because of what I do. I have value because I am like, we put so much value in being human doings and not because we're just inherently human beings. And in, in and of itself, that is valuable. Like our lives are valuable. And I think maybe it's like, whatever, maybe this is another conversation for another day, but like maybe the capitalist framework of productivity, uh, creating, creating value really for other people, (laughs) but what it's like, and, and Erica and I actually have a Buddhist practice. That's how we met. And something within the philosophy of our practice is that, you know, all, all people have inherent dignity inside them. And, and we have to recognize it in ourselves so that we can recognize it in others as well. And so I think I just relate to you sharing that where it's like, it's not your external achievements that define your value. It's because you exist and show up in the world, you know, at all, but with kindness and, and all these other qualities that are, those are also things of value. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to internalize, I think, because we don't live in a world that teaches that necessarily. For sure. Absolutely. And and that's why I wonder, do you have daily practices too? I know you mentioned therapy and I'm such like therapy has also changed my life. I think it's been three or four years that I've been in it and it's life-changing, but are there other daily practices that help you cultivate this happiness is an inside job mentality? I think for me, I have tried, like, I, I really want to be that person that just like wakes up and does the same morning routine every day. And I just really like, I, I try to manifest it for myself. I just really envision like how great it's going to be like when I do it. And there's been times that it's like, I remember I had like a two week streak that I did this morning routine and I was like, wow, I'm crushing it. Like I'm unstoppable, like literally just really achieved everything I want to be. But the truth is, I think, and I, my therapist told me this a couple of years ago, and it's, it's really so true for me. Like the best self-care that I've ever done, like sitting down and letting myself feel how I feel like I am so many of us are, I'm queen of like, I feel anxious. Why do I feel anxious? Where does this stem from? Let's find the reason let's solve it and then take it out. And then I'm never going to feel it again. And I find so much peace just being like, this is how I feel. And suddenly it has such, so much less power. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, wow. I really want that external gratification. I saw something on social media and it made me feel bad about myself. Okay. All right. I'm feeling that. And like, 
it's so much better than being like, no, I can't feel like this. I don't feel like this. I'm just like, yeah, cool. I feel like that right now. And my mom always said to me growing up, feelings are like the wind. They come and they go. She would always say that to me. And I'm just like, they come, they go, they're not permanent. Um, and I really think it's that just like taking, I think the practice of just like acknowledging how I feel and trying to be as honest with myself as possible is the most helpful one more than like my daily affirmation cards that I sometimes do or don't remember to, to pull. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's true. It's good. It's good advice to be able to just sit in, sit in those feelings and know that they aren't permanent. Um, so I'm curious now, can we talk a little bit, you, you mentioned like many of the hats that you do wear professionally. And one thing that I know Erica and and I have are really interested in is your work with your friend uh, in activism. So can you tell us a little bit about what activism is and, um, how, like what the, the incarnation of it initially was, and then also like what your mission with it is. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I feel like going back as far as I could remember, I was always just very interested in like justice and what justice means and what it looks like. I, as a child, my mom always journaled like all about what I was doing as a kid. And she has many years of my life all the way from like being a toddler, she would tell me to do something. And I would be like, I have rights what's the reason? Like I have rights and like, you can't just tell me what to do. And my parents were like, this child is impossible. (laughs) And I would be like, I'm going to make a contract. And if I do the dishes, this is what I will get because you have to like compensate me for this labor. Like I was a crazy person as a child. Um, and I remember this, I remember being like, just feeling the injustice of like being told what to do. And, um, constantly like fighting my school district on like the dress code. I was like, I refuse to adhere to this. This is like sexist. This is unacceptable. Like I was just really always that. And I'm so happy that my parents celebrated it instead of telling me like, just be a good girl and listen. My parents were like, yeah, you're right. I guess like my mom's a preschool teacher and she's like, I never tell my kids, um, just do what I say because I'm the adult. And she was like, if I tried to tell you that as a kid, like, this is where I learned the lesson that like, you just can't say that. So I think I always had these qualities, but it's, it's not very attractive to an employer. It's not very attractive to like a new friend group. It's not always seen as like a positive thing when you have this sense of just like, feeling the need to use your voice when you feel that something is not okay. And I think for a lot of years, I, I would write about it. I would blog about it. I would talk to my close friends about it. I would write about it like academically in school and like take courses on it, but I wouldn't actively, you know, talk about it in my day-to-day life. I felt like I was separating myself, like how I feel about certain things versus like how I can present myself to be accepted in like social situations. And I think the social and like civic and emotional and cultural reckoning that happened with the Black Lives Matter movement um, was just an opportunity where not only were people more willing to listen, but they were asking to listen. They were asking to be told. And there was just this 
this moment of this space opening up. And I just felt so called to share the things that I'd been saying in private and shared in public. And it was a very strange, like internal dilemma because the same truths that I'm saying now are things that like those that have come before me have been like criticized and persecuted for, but because it seems trendy, all of a sudden I'm celebrated and I'm on like trendy Instagram pages with my quotes, like in a pink infographic with like sparkles on it. But these are the very same words that people have been jailed for. And so that was very hard for me to grapple with. And my friend Kira was kind of dealing with the same thing. She's a blogger and a marathoner and has a a platform and all the things. And she was sharing her feelings and we both felt torn. And it's amazing because Kira and I had only met once before this in real life. And we started texting. We started Instagram messaging. I didn't even have her number. Then we started texting. We started FaceTiming and we were just so aligned with how we felt and how we wanted to really just take advantage of this moment. And, um, she started doing something called sanity miles where she was like running and kind of using that movement to process her feelings. And I of course was like turning to boxing and people assumed it was like, a way to let out aggression, but it really wasn't that for me. It's more boxing is meditative for me. You have to be listening to your coach and like responding. Otherwise you will get hit in the face and you're like very present. Um, and we just talked about how we were using movement to kind of process what was happening for us. And then kind of realize like most of these diversity and inclusion, like trainings or talks, like so many of them are just so boring. Like people are just sitting there talking at you. And I was like, how can we bring movement to this? How can we realize that like the same way you incorporate a five meditation, five minute meditation into your day is the same way you could incorporate a five minute anti-racism education practice into your day, because this work is every day. This work is nonstop. It's not join a book club, read a book. Now you're not racist. Now you've like dismantled systemic racism. And so the first iteration, Kira texted me and was like, Hey, do you want to do like an anti-racism challenge? I know that sounds weird, but like something on Instagram, like, I don't know, a 30 day like thing. And I was like, okay, we started building it out. Um, And I was like, we can't call it a challenge. That feels weird to me. This isn't like push-ups. This is like, we can't call it like, don't be racist challenge. Like we have to (laughs) come up with something better. Um, So we came up with activism. Our first iteration was a 30-day program. And we decided to make it based on five action steps, something to read, watch, listen to, support, and share. And paired with those five action steps would be five wellness steps. So it could be like, drink a glass of water first thing in the morning. It could be um, focus one of your meals on eating all whole foods. Um, It could be, we incorporated meditations, we incorporated runs, we incorporated workouts, um, just like mobility circuits, various kinds of movement. So like listen to this podcast while you do this run or just kind of like syncing them up. And we wanted to really be able to, to support people, no matter what their learning style. So not just five days of reading, but like maybe reading is not something you enjoy or your strong suit. So 
we have a podcast and we have this video and we have this petition and we have this like journaling, um, exercise. So we started that out. We had, I want to say 80 people for the first program and we did weekly zoom calls. We had experts. It was around voting, like around the time when the election was happening. So we had experts from like NYC votes. We had someone that was running for, uh, local government. We had like different people talk about these things and their intersection with uh, racism. And then we had just like weekly Zoom hangouts with everyone where we just talked about the material. And it was so like, it was so instantly right. Like we were ready to make mistakes and we definitely like, we're like, oh, that didn't work out as good as we hoped, but like certain elements, but it was so instantly like, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing. This just makes sense. This is, I feel prepared for this. I feel capable of this. And like, I think both of us just have such an approach to this work with um, dignity and a righteous anger that like deserves to be there, but also like a realistic compassion that I am so much more interested in building bridges than I am with building walls. And I'm so much more interested in if you've signed up for this program and you've taken these four weeks, even if you don't have it all together, which how could you, when you've been in this society the same way we all have, um, you're here and I, I'm here and like, we're both here to talk about this. And I'm so happy that Kira has been the same way because we've been able to really reach people, Um, so that was our first iteration. We've then done a week long program, an hour long class, a two week long program. Like we tried every different iteration. We were like, what do people like longer, shorter, this, that. And, um, we've also done some corporate trainings and we did a week long, we've done week long programs with like private companies and yeah, just recently did our first in-person version, um, of the workshop and a panel and our, our future, really, we feel so excited that there's there's so much potential. There's so many different iterations of this, whether it be virtual or in person. And individually, we both are like overthinkers, over planners, and we'll wait till it's perfect. But together, we're like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Let's just try it. Let's like see how it goes. And I think that's really also been like a big strength for us in you know, just finding ways to do it. We just like truly just go for it. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. I have been using their baking soda free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle aluminum free baking soda free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with red itchy bumps under my arms on top of feeling not confident at all that I did not smell. Milk and honey not only never once gave me those pesky red bumps, but also passed the smell test even after an intense spin and hit class. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. 
And for our local to Los Angeles listeners, Milk and Honey has the most amazing spa that just opened in Brentwood in West LA after being the go-to spa with multiple locations in Texas for so long. They offer facials, body treatments, massages, and so much more at their beautiful new space. I recently had a massage at the Brentwood location and it was a lovely experience. We are so happy that Milk and Honey Spas are now in LA. And of course, their online boutique is just the best if you aren't local. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. Their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking Seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, Go to seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off, or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram. That's really amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that and doing it too. I think, you know, it's interesting when Erica and I started this show, which was over, was it three years ago now? Yeah. And we are in Los Angeles. We are white women in Los Angeles. There's not a lack of that, you know, in the wellness space. It's a very whitewashed place here. And that actually became pretty apparent to us 
once we started like entering in this wellness world, which we weren't a part of, we both have entertainment backgrounds and, and we have, you know, our own stories, mine with cancer, hers with a self-love journey and, and a lot of body stuff and decided to like create this platform. And then we started going to like all these sort of like quote unquote wellness events. And we were like, Hmm, like what's, you know, we just even, even though we are fully represented from like a, you know, a white blonde women perspective, it was, it was really interesting and eye-opening to us how, um, I guess for lack of a better word, like whitewashed, like quote unquote mainstream wellness was from like an industry perspective. And then we actually expanded a little bit and started traveling and we went to events in Philly and we went to events in New York and things. And it was a little bit different. And we started doing episodes on this and like what we saw. And, and then with the kind of, um, I mean, BLM has been active for years, but then with last summer, as you were saying, like there's a new sense of like breaking open consciousness for everybody, for us included. And, um, seeing people like you in this quote unquote wellness space. I always have to say that because nobody can see me doing air quotes on a podcast, but, and whatever that means, I think that's also becoming redefined as far as, um, what people in the, in the wellness industry want it to look like, um, and accessibility because this idea of like, well, what is individual wellness if like our communities are suffering? What is individual wellness worth? Is it even wellness if, you know, people are hungry and are like, that's that like food justice is the first thing that we sort of got involved with, but you guys taking this step in, um, the intersection of racial justice and the wellness space is really, uh, it's just really, really like, admirable, cool, important, needed, I think for all of us to learn more. And what I wanted, sorry, is like a long-winded way of getting to this. When you were talking about the way you started to structure it with movement and these other challenges that like, uh, go along with different people's learning abilities. It made me think about the fact that, um, I'm not an expert in this, but I've dappled a little bit in somatic, um, health stuff and, and my understanding of it, and I've done some somatic journaling at the suggestion of some practitioners of mine, where we hold emotion in our bodies and we hold, um, like, so sometimes even like health hurdles that we can't get past. Sometimes there's like stuck stuff, stuck emotions in the body because the body remembers like the body, um, has this like intelligence about it and remembers whether traumatic things or, or whatever that might be. And so this act of like in the somatic journaling, for example, it was about moving that kind of stuff out physically so that you don't hold on to the emotional component physically anymore. But I think it was so cool because it made me think about that when you were talking about pairing learning or unlearning or whatever different resources with wellness or physical, um, exercises as well. And, and even boxing and even, um, running and meditation and breath or whatever, all the things might be where it's like, if we're, if we can do something to move energy and move emotions out, can we do that in order to bring 
a new sense of knowledge and learning into our bodies. And I thought that was really cool the way you guys put fitness and wellness exercises along with the intellectual and emotional components of anti-racism work, because what a different way to get into understanding, like internalizing if they, if people haven't themselves been, um, on the, like have only been a part of the system of perpetuating racism rather than necessarily experiencing it. Like what an interesting way to pair those things. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. I feel like there's so much, like there's so many things Kira and I are like, we should learn Reiki. We should learn this. We should become meditation masters. We should become this, like all these things. Cause I feel like there's so many, um, there's so much overlap between that very thing. Like how can you take something that you experience emotionally and also therefore physically and pair that with something that you're learning or unlearning on an intellectual level? Um, and I think that was something that was really interesting our, about our first in-person um, workshop because we were like, this is so different than virtual. Like we could do so much more things. We could do so many more different things, like actually in a physical space with people. And I feel like I'm just excited because I think the, the future is limitless in like the types of programs we could do. Um, and something really exciting, we actually are finishing up our first ebook. So that is going to be all about, um, activating your vocabulary is what it's going to be called. And we're going to have different variations of the ebook. So activating blah, 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 activating this. So activating your vocabulary, because language is something that I think is language is the key to these conversations. I always say, when you have the words to talk about this, it suddenly transforms from something that is only terrifying to something that is still a little terrifying, but you have the words to articulate what you feel and everyone feels more empowered by that. Mm -hmm. Like people that have experienced oppression of any kind feel so much more empowered when they have the language to articulate, oh, wow, this is what happened to me. This was, it's called a microaggression, but the way it's more divisive and like uh, insidious is because of this. And like, these are, I could put words to what I experienced like as a child or at this stage of my life or whatever. And then as someone that's, you know, a white person in America, that's doing this, this learning and unlearning journey, when you can know, am I going to offend someone? If I say this, what should I say? But what's the right word? I'm just not going to say anything. And then you have so many people that would just rather not say anything and nothing can come of that. Like we, you got to say something. So we're really excited to, to continue to talk about that because I think that's like the first step. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And I, I guess I have a question for, you know, I, um, there's as a society right now, it's such an interesting time to be a human being and to be alive <laughs> and to have a brain and to be awake. Right? It's so hard to be human um, because it's really painful. And I know I've done, I've read some articles too about, um, you know, I feel like most of our listeners we know are between the ages of 25 and 35, but um, we do have listeners who are younger, who are older. And I'm sure everyone in this age group has 
siblings, cousins, friends, et cetera. But I think this generation behind the millennial generation, I've read so much about like the, the, I mean, we all have varying degrees of depression and sadness, but, um, you know, the world that these youths are inheriting is, can be pretty dark and bleak, right? It's, it's, you know, from racism to global warming to, you know, everything. It's just, it's everything. And I think it can be really overwhelming on where to begin, right? Like where to begin and not just to be behind a screen, right? Where it's, it's like, okay, well, how, how, how do you recommend people start getting involved in their local community? If there is anything you've seen or is a good first step for anybody who's listening, who just feels that paralysis of, like you said, like, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to, um, just watch hours of TV because I just can't, I can't deal with the reality of this world we live in. Um, where do you think is a good place to start? I think it's so funny that you're asking me this because the newsletter I sent out this morning was how to become an activist. That was what it was called because I do a poll every couple of weeks. Like, what do you guys want to talk about? And people are like, how do I do this? So that was one of the topics. Uh, so I think that's really funny because I'm thoroughly prepared to answer this question at this moment. Um, I kind of like in this newsletter, for example, I started out by defining a couple terms of like, what is activism? What is an activist? What is slacktivism, which is a now term that the United Nations has a definition for. And slacktivism is defined as anything from just like reposting things on social media to like wearing a pin on your shirt without doing anything behind it. Like maybe you didn't donate anything. You like got it from a friend and you're like, this is going to bring awareness, but like, to what do you know? Like if someone asks you about it, like, can you give more? So there's like varying degrees of slacktivism and it's not always a inherently negative thing because we do know that like social media has the power to activate people, but social media is like, such a also mind suck when you're just looking at climate change and racism or like trans folks rights being like torn away or just like, it's also not, doesn't make you feel great inside. So I would say the first thing, um, that I, I put four parts to it when I was writing this newsletter. And the first thing was, like take a deep look inside, look at those like dark, dusty corners that we don't always want to go into. And there's an exercise I do in trainings. That's like, I have nothing against X kind of person, but I wouldn't want my partner, son or daughter, child, best friend to be this kind of person. So like, I have nothing against black people, but I wouldn't want my partner to be black. I have nothing against those with disabilities, but I wouldn't want my child to be disabled. Like to think that, to put those words in, and it's so shocking to yourself. Wow. I didn't realize that I had this deep implicit bias. And I say, start there, not because you need to like completely be perfect and like fix quote unquote, fix yourself air quotes that you can't see, fix yourself before you can do work. But if you know that, how much more relatable, empathetic, and understanding will you be to the people that you're trying to reach? Like when I realize, wow, that's a really ugly thing about myself, Taylor. 
when someone says something racist, I can say, I have ugly parts too. And like, if they're willing to learn and engage and have this conversation in a respectful way, how much more empathetic am I? Because I, I see what's going on in my heart. So take a look inside. Second thing is like, do the work in a way that can be consistent. And that can be five minutes a day. If like climate change is something that's super overwhelming to you, take those five minutes a day to like learn more, not on Instagram, on like something that's not just going to be a bottomless pit, like find a book, find a blog, find a podcast, find something that's going to be helpful in like your journey to learn more because you can't do anything beneficial for the world around you if you don't even know the problem. So like learn more, um, use your voice in any capacity that you have. People think if you have like a hundred Instagram followers, that doesn't matter. Those are a hundred people in your network. It could be like the five people in your family that you call like a zoom meeting with your extended, with your you know family. And you're like, Hey guys, we need to talk about this. It could be anything. You can write a letter. You can like start a blog. You can use any outlet or platform to use your voice. Start with like that. That would be my third thing. And, um, the last thing was just start like activism. We planned our first program in two weeks. We said, just start. Our logo was so ugly. Thankfully we have another, a new logo. Like I made that logo on Canva. It was a hot mess, but I said, I'm doing it. I'm here for it. Like just start. It can be messy. Be like, I'm scared and I'm starting. I'm a hot mess and I'm starting. I'm kind of disorganized, but I'm starting. Like just begin. Um, Because once you do, then you'll know, oh, next time, like the next time I do this, I can do it better. Those are my steps. That's awesome. Thank you. And I think that actually like really good advice for life. It's like, we don't have to wait to be quote unquote perfect. Cause that doesn't exist to do something, whether it's starting a business, starting, you know, taking a chance on a relationship, maybe drinking a glass of water in the morning or starting or, which I never do. I mean, never. I know, I'm, the, always, I'm the worst. I always tell people to do it. I'm like, I'm literally just the worst. always thirsty. Just always just yeah. never hydrated. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, hydration through coffee, which I advise everyone against. Um, yeah. Or, or like you were saying in, in your own sort of anti-racism work or activism work for that, whatever, however it may manifest, like taking a chance is, um, can be really just, I think awesome. It can open up so much. Um, so I feel like we could talk to you for another hour, but we're, we're not going to, we're going to, We'll just have to do part two someday. Um, but yeah, we're really grateful that we got to learn all about you and the work that you're doing. And so to wrap up, we always ask our guests three questions. And so I'm going to ask you the first one. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, what does your daily self-care look like? And um, do you have any non-negotiables in that? I feel like definite non-negotiable is my skincare routine And honestly, people are always like, you have great skin. And I'm like, thank you. I work very hard. My mom just naturally looks beautiful. 10 out of 10. She like puts water on her face. And I'm like, I mean, jeans also skincare routine, big fan. Um, I also think 
every single morning, I set my alarm five minutes before I need to actually wake up. So I set my alarm, I wake up, I hug my fiance so hard and like cuddle with him for those five minutes because I, I'm very sentimental. And I imagine when I'm old and gray, I will not remember rushing for work or being five minutes late. I will remember that I got to hug him every morning and that I took that time. So that is also not negotiable. Oh, I love that so much. What is, this is not one of our questions, but what is your astrological side? I'm so curious. I'm so LA. I can't help myself. I'm a Taurus and I don't know a single thing about it. People are like, Oh, that means blah, 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 blah. I'm like, cool. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know anything. <laughs> oh, I love a Taurus. Thank you for sharing that. I've just been so curious this whole conversation. Um, okay. The next, the real next question we always ask our guests is what does being courageous mean to you? Oh, I think being courageous means being as close as possible to who you wanted to be when you were a little kid. Five-year-old me was slaying it. She was wearing cowboy boots, a tutu, and a bathing suit top to preschool. And she was just turning it out. And I think little kids are so courageous and they're so who they want to be. So like getting as close to that as possible. Every time I'm like, five-year-old Taylor would be loving this. I'm like, I'm doing it right. Thank you. And the final one is, do you have um, a book recommendation for our listeners? It could be on anything, just something that's meant something to you. Oh, wow. So I think, I mean, my favorite book of all time is actually a collection of poems by Pablo Neruda called The Captain's Verses. And that book is just yeah, my all-time favorite, but it's also a book of poetry, which is not always everyone's jam. Um, I'm going to stick with that one though. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to stick with that one. Thank you. And if anyone wants to follow you, find you, get your newsletter, where can they do that? You can find everything, my full government name, Taylor Ray Almonte, website, Instagram, I think that's it. I have no other social media. Oh, I have a YouTube channel online, website, Instagram, YouTube, Taylor Ray Almonte. Thank you again, Taylor, for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.